It was 32 minutes into the game between Leeds and Southampton on the 23rd of November 1996 when a mysterious man appeared on the pitch. Unbeknownst to anyone in the stadium at the time, the man would go on to find himself as a cult football icon, inspiring a popular football chant that continues to be heard at matches today. He would go down in history as one of the most legendary football fraudsters of all time. But who was this Senegal-born man, and how did he manage to find himself playing in a Premier League football game with skills that many would find absolutely shocking? Welcome to Fakes and Frauds. So when I started this podcast, there was a few UK comedians that I very much wanted to eventually have as a guest on the show. And I am very excited to announce that today's the day that I can proudly say we have managed to rope one of these talented folks into joining us. She's done a ton of amazing stuff, including being the co-founder of not one, but two brilliant comedy collectors in London. One being the Law Word, which is a queer female and non-binary comedy group that hosts regular super fun comedy nights across our fine city. And the other being Joy Multiplication, which also features fakes and frauds alumni sam lake she's appeared on dave's hypothetical jonathan ross's comedy club and we are very very excited to have her that's right it's the one and only chloe pets hi chloe welcome to the podcast thanks for joining hello you okay i'm great thank you so much for uh for joining me today on this joyous occasion thanks for having me Thanks for thanks for coming around. Everyone's so thankful. This is great. We're also all very excited because we uh, we've got a football themed episode today. It's very exciting. Um, and who better to join us than the unofficial queen of football and comedy? <laughs> oh wow! Yeah, I love that. That's on your LinkedIn, right? I think that that's my verified title. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I'm so. Uh, any opportunity to speak about football is always one that I will grab with two hands. So I'm glad. I'm glad to be here. Great, and and uh, it's an interesting time for football because when we're recording this, I mean, by the time this comes out, we could be living in a very different world. Um, but at the moment, we are we are hopeful. England has just beat. Uh, who did we beat last night? You can do it. Oh, Germany, 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 Germany. Yes, it's honestly like. I, I, it's 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 crazy it's crazy to feel this way because I just assumed that like when we started playing brilliantly in the first half I was like oh yeah we're playing great we're gonna lose because every time you get your hope up with England you, you they do something terrible and awful but it was like a solid great team performance the boys are lovely they're lovely young football men and it's just I don't I'm, I'm not used I'm a Palace fan as well I'm not used to being happy so I, I don't really know what to do with myself okay so football we okay you, you're into it okay check got it uh well that's convenient yeah because today we do we do have a story which um crept onto my radar when you know my various evenings of googling uh fakes and frauds and hoaxes and all sorts correct me if I'm wrong I mean correct me if I'm wrong 
throughout this entire episode. <laughs> but correct me <laughs> if I'm wrong when I say that he is quite the ledge, this guy. Who we who we talking about? We're talking about the one and only Ali Dyer. Yeah, baby. He is he is a legend. He's it's it's sort of that story that like you'd write it in fiction or like it's it's almost a story where you're like oh this must have happened this like someone must have gone into the game of football and just conned everyone and then you google it and you're like this guy's done it this guy's done almost like the archetypal thing of how you would con your way into football yeah and i think it's yeah it's it, it's a it's a wild tale i don't know if you know we'll have one like this again it seemed like he kind of got in at the kind of golden era where you know he could kind of like it was kind of pre uh internet obviously and but also after kind of football became like the premier league became what it sort of is today so in that kind mm. of beautiful little golden period anyway let's just let's just get into it okay i'm ready to research the biggest scandals in the history of football, you'd likely be bombarded with dodgy deals and footballers behaving badly, both on and off the pitch. But if you were to sift through these tales, you may come across a tale of a virtually random man with very little football experience and, frankly, average abilities playing for Southampton Football Club in a Premier League game against Leeds in November of 1996. This 31-year-old man was referred to as Ali Dyer. In reality, he was actually called Ali Ja, fun fact. A-L-Y-D-I-A, but D-I-A was, is pronounced Ja. Um, but somewhere along the, the line, his name was either mixed up or changed. But the confusion over his name was the least of the bewildering aspects of this story. This is a thing that like makes a legend, doesn't it? Like the corruption of a name. Like it's like it's like a word of mouth story kind of thing that that adds ri richness to the myth i think um and i also think it's so funny that it's ali jur but obviously like you know you put him in the premier league everyone's like he's a good lad our ali dyer isn't he like <laughs> just completely anglified the, the, the name so it all started with a peculiar phone call Graham Souness, the manager of southampton between 1996 and 1997 answered his phone to find a man claiming to have a striker that he wanted to recommend to Sunis for a spot with Southampton. The man on the other line, George Weyer, one of the most respected international footballers of the 80s and 90s and was named uh, African, European and World Player of the Year in 1995. That is a sad fact that I just threw in that I'm sure he's so much more than that, but that was one that I could find that I thought this will tell people he's important. Um, do you have any more? No, he's, I think that's all you need to say. Like... He's literally been the best player in the world the a year before. Like that. What what more can you say? Like okay. Like and and like world famous would have been famous along the lines of like Messi or Ronaldo. Okay, I know. Have that's you heard nice. of them? <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, what's the other one called? Zlatan. That one. Zlatan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. He's Swedish. Well done, yeah. Thank you. He's Swedish and he's good at sort of like combining. Uh, martial arts into his football so he'll just like do crazy kicks and shit does he wear like kimonos no unfortunately he's not allowed to but if he could i'm sure he would 
Um, anyway, so this guy, he's like super mega, mega super famous, right? Mm-hmm. So Graham Souness was told that Weyer's cousin had played for both Paris Saint-Germain and the Senegal national team and was now looking for a team and recommended that he checked mate. Not long after, Ali Dyer was signed to Southampton. When recalling Ali Dyer's time with the club, Southampton footballer Matt Letizier... Yeah, that's right, Matt, Matt Letizier, yeah. Okay, cool. Matt Letizier says... Quote, I only really trained with him once, on the Friday before the fateful day. He joined in on a five-a-side on the Friday morning and was introduced to us as a trialist. I remember at the time thinking, he's not very good, he's probably not going to make it. (laughs) But he was wrong. So this not very good man showed up to the match against Leeds on November 23rd, 1996. Matt Letissier says, quote, I was amazed to hear that he'd been named on the subs bench. I think the picture of the faces of the boys must have been remarkable. Our jaws all dropped to the floor. So layman update, subs bench. That's where the people go. So when the people on the better people get hurt, then the ship more sh- less great people go on is that right yeah i suppose it's interesting that you've interpreted it in that way i guess it's it's um it's not necessarily a quality thing now it's more just like because the pace of the game is so quick and people sort of get injured a bit more or like need rests and stuff they'll they'll just have people on the bench you are usually allowed three substitutes in any game so you can you can bring them on whenever you like. Okay, so the subs aren't like any sort of less good. Maybe, maybe, yeah. You, you you're probably going to put your best players out on as your starting eleven, but it might be that you've got like you know you've just got like a spare defender, you got a spare couple of defenders, you've got your substitute goalie who tends to be less good than your first team goalie, um, and then you might have like a different option coming off the bench. So. If your plan A doesn't work, you'll have a big guy to come on so you can knock it up to him, that kind of thing. Right. Okay. Ali Dyer. We're gonna we're gonna call him that through this because for I don't know. <laughs> That's what people know him as. We're gonna call him that. We do know his name is Ali Jar. Um anyway, so how did this guy, Ali Dyer, make it onto the pitch, right? Matt Letizia is looking at him going, no, no. Apparently, there's a random phone call involved. You know, it's it's all very confusing. So I think in order to understand this, it's worth sort of having a quick, quick peek at the world of Premier League football around this time. So it was only four years earlier that the English Premier League was formed and the structure we need today came to be. By all accounts, this has very much skyrocketed the fame of the players and infused a whole new level of energy into professional football. Does that have your blessing? Okay. That has my blessing, yep. I tried to make it as vague as humanly possible. (laughs) Well, the creation of the Premier League in, I can't remember, it must have been 92. Yeah, changed everything. It's, um, yeah, the birth birth of modern football. And and in some ways, were you aware of what happened earlier this year where the top, I'm doing inverted quotation marks here, the top six teams in the Premier League tried to break away and do a Super League Yes, I heard about this. You can sort of root the history of the beginnings of of what's led us to that from the creation of the Pep Premier League when this sort of huge injection of un, unregulated money came in to the game. Oh, that's my favourite kind of money. Um, 
Yeah. So, I mean, point being, yeah, is that, you know, it was going to this huge transitional phase, right? It went from sort of, yeah, there was less money involved, kind of less. It was, there were, there was a, le- there were a lot less foreign players. It was more of a sort of domestic, you know, British players. Um, and it was only sort of later when Arsene Wenger came to Arsenal that he sort of started buying all of these um amazing sort of cultured like French and Dutch players and that that was when the the floodgates kind of started to open so yeah it was it was much more of a sort of domestic internal game Though the world of football in the UK was going through somewhat of this, you know, transitional period at the time, it was still obviously a very tough business to get into. Countless people across the UK would put their heart and soul into trying to land a spot in these high-ranking clubs and only a selected few would be chosen. So how did this, by all accounts, very mediocre athlete manage to find himself on the pitch on that fateful November day? And how did he manage to get signed to the team in the first place? So... Many people involved in this story have remained understandably quite tight-lipped about how this all happened. What we do know is that when the press asked George Ware if he was the one on the other end of the phone with Graham Saunas that day in 1996, he denied knowing anything about this call and confirmed that he had no cousin that went by the name of Ali Dyer or Ali Jia. That's so funny that Graham Saunas would just be like, yeah, this must be George Ware. Surely. Who would lie? Yeah, but who? What? What? What motive would they possibly have? Um, yeah, and it's it's you know even kind of going through all the facts of the story, it's really hard to say exactly what happened. But I think some people's egos are obviously a bit on the line here. They don't really want to admit to perhaps making a silly decision. Definitely, and Gra- Graham Souness is quite like an archetypal. He's like sort of stern Scottish man. And uh, yeah, I can't imagine him wanting to forego any ego to say like, yeah, that was actually, that was, that was my bad. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So let's look at the, the kind of match itself. So Ali Dyer was called on to play after Matthew Letissier, our friend from approximately three minutes ago, was injured 32 minutes into the game. So when recalling Ali's performance, Letizia said, quote, he ran out around the pitch like Bambi on ice. It was very embarrassing to watch, which is so mean. <laughs> like, I think if I watched it, and I have actually seen some clips, this is what all people looking, like all people playing football look like to me. He was running, he was near the ball, he kicked the ball. How, like, why, why how, how bad could it be? He didn't look like Bambi on ice at all. You know, you'd see a difference if I was on a football pitch or Cristiano Ronaldo was on a football pitch. Though. <laughs> like, come on, you're not that dumb. I mean, yeah, there's only uh, there's only one way to find out. <laughs> so at 85 minutes into the match, Ali, himself a sub, was subbed off. Letizia goes on to say, quote, his performance was almost comical. He kind of took my place, but he didn't really have a position. He was just wandering everywhere. I don't think he realised what position he was supposed to be in. I don't even know if he spoke English. I don't think I ever said a word to him. In the end, he got himself subbed off because he was that bad. Can I just say, that's like the most embarrassing thing that can happen to you as a footballer if you are subbed off as a sub. It's like, it's the manager making a statement. It's the manager going like, you're shit. 
it's 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 unheard well it's not unheard of but it's really it's a really bad time for Ali oh he's not having fun well maybe he is he's living many people's dream to be fair (laughs) usually that I can't imagine the fantasy ends in that way but so Southampton ended up losing 2-0 to Leeds that day the footage online of Ali's time on the pitch is quite limited but as I said to the untrained eye he seems (laughs) I've just decided I'm Ali Dyer's biggest fan now he seems like a perfectly acceptable footballer and at one point I'm told this is important. At one point, he did nearly sco- score a goal. Have you seen the footage? Yeah, it was a man kicking a ball into a, a fancy net thing. Is that not, is, is that not I how just, you saw I it? I just don't believe you. It probably like went just a bit near the goal. I mean, he's a better footballer than me. Yeah, no, that, that, that's, that's fine, but it's possibly not the metric we need to go by when we're thinking about the quality of professional footballers. I think that's that, a really um, mean thing to say. Sorry, sorry, that was mean. It was mean, but like you also can't argue with it. <laughs> um, that's true. It's true. But I, I think, um, yeah, I, I really hope this doesn't come across as like patronizing to anyone in any way because I love watching football with whoever, How, however much football you've watched. It's just, I love it when people get excited about football, whether you know loads about it or whether you know nothing about it. But it is funny when I watch with the people that know nothing about it, how they'll cheer like a throw in, like someone will get a throw in and they'll be like, oh, my God, this is the most exciting thing ever. And I'm like, it's a throw in. (laughs) (laughs) Is that when they throw the ball into the pitch? Yeah, yeah. Or just like (laughs) someone will control control the ball in quite a simple way. And my flatmate does it a lot and will be like, oh, did you see that? And I'll be like, yeah. Like, if you watch the rest of the game, you'll see that happen 150 times again. But it's just, so, it's so lovely and sweet and pure. <laughs> um, okay, well, that's, I mean, yeah, I'm, I just believe in positivity. And um, <laughs> so people had very sort of mixed reactions when this story broke. So some saw him as more or less sort of the ultimate anti-hero, fulfilling the dreams of many across the world to have their time to play amongst the big dogs and being clever enough to swindle his way in. Others, of course, were less sympathetic. A standpoint that inspired the common football chant, Ali Dyer, he's a liar, he's a liar. I don't even know what tune it's to. I think it's just Ali Dyer. Oh yeah, Ali Dyer, he's a liar. He's a lot. Yeah, that's good. That yeah. I mean, this might be a dumb question, but do they only do that at Southampton games? Uh, I mean, they haven't done it for many years. I've never heard anyone sing about Ali Dyer. No. I think we've we've got you know more important things to sing about, like the referee being a wanker. You know. How does that one go? The referee's a wanker. <laughs> he is. I ca- he is. <laughs> I can't deny it. He is. is. There- when you say he, is it like a... Are we talking about one specific man? No, no, no. Every referee is a wanker. Yeah, yeah. Um, did they um, ever get female referees on men's Premier League things? Uh, they haven't yet, but hopefully they will soon. Um, Sean Massey is a, a lines person, so she, she runs up and down with the flag. Um, and she's been been doing that for, for 10, 10 or so years. She's absolutely brilliant. 
Yeah. Huh. I mean, to be fair, I wouldn't want that job. The job? So, yeah, no, thank you. No, because then you'd be a don't, wanker. Don't ask. Don't ask me. Please. Do you, uh, I'm just trying to think of some of the best football chants I've heard. My favourite is um, we used to have a player called Johan Kabai that played for Crystal Palace. And his one was, he used to play in black and white. I don't know why. Now he plays in red and blue. Johan Kabai. Scoring goals for fun. And I know why. Hey, Johan Kabai. Johan Kabai. <laughs> Johan Kabai. Da, 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 da. It's good, isn't it? I can very much appreciate that. I thought they were all just like words said loudly, slight rhythm involved. That is a musical masterpiece. It's good, isn't it? Yeah. So following that fateful match, Ali returned to the football grounds once more to receive physio before having his contract terminated and seemingly disappearing into the night. He did actually play for another team shortly after Gateshead, I think, Um, but less dramatic to go into those details. So in 2016, a story was published that came closer to uncovering the truth of the matter than any other piece would. Kelly Naki, a former uh, American ESPN journalist now living in the UK, was approached to help discover the real story of Ali Dahlia. One of the first things she learned, of course, was that his name had been spelt wrong in basically every newspaper. His, his name, of course, was actually spelled A-L-Y, and his surname was pronounced Jai rather than Dahlia. This was an indicator of how much was unknown about this man. Her article goes on to tell about how she was able to track down the family of this man who were living in Dakar, Senegal. She was able to speak through a translator and hear all about his life. So, though it wasn't George Weah on the other side of the phone call, it has been reported that Ali Dyer and George Weah had a cross pass when they were both playing football in France. George, of course, was playing for Paris Saint-Germain and Ali was playing for a minor football club. The claims that Dyer had played for PSG and his national team, completely false. At the time of the match, Ali Dyer was actually studying in Portsmouth and reportedly had a friend pose as George Weah to call Graham Seaman. <laughs> it's so good. Which sounds like such a uni thing to do. Like three snake bites in and you're like, oh, mate, mate, you know what we should do? I've got a mate who's got Sooness's number. Let's give him a bell. I'll pretend I'm George Ware, you know, world football of the year. I'll get you in, mate. I'll get you in. And Graham Sooness is the knob that believed it. So when this journalist, uh, Kelly Naki, managed to track down Ali, she, he, expressed, he expressed being extremely upset that people thought that he was a cheat. Quote, They have portrayed me as a liar, and that is bull. I did play for Paris Saint-Germain in the second tier in 1986 to 1988, and I helped win the Paris Cup in either 1986 or 1987. It's been a while. I'm sorry, if you help someone win a cup, that is etched on your brain. That's etched in your brain, and it's etched in printed press. Yeah, just Google it, babes. It's, yeah, he seemed just so deep into the lie and just you know years and years later like it's what it's been like 20 years or whatever he's still just like really not willing to to budge on it despite it being completely impossible for what he's saying to be true i guess i mean keep with it uh (laughs) work hard (laughs) and (laughs) commit to the lie yeah 
But I think the, the journalist, she did talk about something quite interesting about how um, he's obviously from Senegal and his family are deeply religious. They they practice Islam. And a huge kind of part of that is often the kind of pride and, you know, the aspects of like, you know, kind of making your family proud and all that kind of thing. Um, so I think maybe it has something to do with that. Though I suppose like... I don't know if just sticking to the lie means that you are doing your family proud. It's difficult to say. And, you know, only Ali will truly know. So he goes on to tell a story about how his friend had introduced him to a UK-based African agent called Bakir Suleiman in 1994. He claims that it was this agent that got him the Southampton contract. Dyer denies the reports that say he only played one five-a-side game before the match against Leeds, but rather had trained with the Saints for more than a month before then. So the most recent reports state that Ali Jha is living in London and works in business and continues to be very much one of the most controversial footballers of all time. There we have it. The story of Ali Dyer. It's, um, what a tale. What a tale. How how do we feel about uh, about him? Do we do we see him as a um, uh, just like a certified ledge or a um, bit of a cheeky cheeky chap? How do we feel? I think the problem is 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 this is a great story, and it's been um, obviously sort of subsumed into the myth and legend of football. But I do think that it would be even better if everyone had had like a different attitude or even if he himself had had a different attitude towards it, because I think like he, he, he's gone in in a very genuine way trying to play for Southampton. Whereas I think like if he just came out and was like, wasn't that good banter, then everyone, then he would be like sort of revered as this like, yeah, massive legend for just like, you know, getting one over on Graham Sooness. Um, which would just be funny. Whereas I think because because he's sort of like really like weird about it, that's why I, I, I don't think he's such a legend. It's just sort of like, oh, that weird thing happened. Yeah, yeah. He really, I mean, he should be owning it, especially because he does have, yeah, this kind of cult status. And apparently like you can buy his, his jersey online for like 100 quid still or whatever. So he's got, yeah, this this kind of, status that I think he should really be exploiting to be honest. He could be he could be a B-list, a C-list celebrity if he wanted to be. He could go to the jungle. Oh my god, he could he could go to the jungle. He could be locked up in the Big Brother house. He could have whatever he wanted. But he's got a bad attitude. <laughs> and he's got a bad attitude at an average business. Um we well maybe he we don't know what his business is. He could be like the owner of a hand sanitizer business and be like absolutely rolling in it. Also, I feel like we should mention the jungle thing. Um, I'm I'm not just trying to tell this man to go to the jungle. In in this fine United Kingdom, for international listeners, there is a program on television called "I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here," where there are a lot of sort of slightly obscure, slightly relevant. Uh, celebrities go and eat cockroaches and the nation watches 
Yeah, they'll send people like they'll send people like Keith Chegwin, who who are, who your international listeners won't know who Keith Chegwin is, but just hearing the name Keith Chegwin tells you everything you need to know about the man. You'll just be able to understand what what it what level of fame and what kind of tone and genre of man this is by the name Keith Chegwin. Keith Chegwin, to me, uh, I imagine, I'm not familiar, but I imagine, like I can feel sort of viscerally, is there some kind of hair situation? Yeah, obviously there's a hair situation. Okay. Yeah, I love, I love that you've picked up on that. He, he initially had sort of like a mop, and now he just has a receding, a re- just a receding old band's haircut. Good old Cheggers. Oh, I spelled it right on the first try. I don't know what that says about me. He died in 2017. Oh. I'm so sorry to have introduced him <laughs> to your international audience and now taken him away so quickly. You know, you got, you got just one minute of the joys of Keith Chegwin there. I wonder, perhaps, by any chance... Would you happen to have a story like this? Or was, was he the only one? Perhaps he was the only one. Listen, Ali Dia, Ali Dia is the biggest one to have ever done it. It's the most famous. It's the biggest league. He's infiltrated the biggest team. But he's not the only one to have done it. And I've got one who I think is probably a bit more like what I described, who was like very knowingly trying, like actively trying to sort of con his way in in a cheeky way. So uh, it's a guy called uh, Dexter Rosales. And he um, basically said, I believe to, uh, he said to Adelaide United, he's an Aussie Aussie guy. He said, I've played for teams like River Plate, who are a massive Argentinian team. Ajax, massive Dutch team. Valencia, massive Spanish team. Um, so he basically goes to them and says, look, I've played for all these clubs. I've played for loads of youth teams in the United... I've played for the United States youth teams. So, so basically he's sort of like applying to Adelaide United with this glowing CV. But like a, tw- a 25-year-old uh, guy. Um, but he hadn't even got to trial with Adelaide United when Ajax, who are a massive club, like massive European history... Um, won loads of shit, loads of great players that have, have played for them, basically said, like, we have never heard of this guy in our whole entire lives. And they even went one, for, one step further and said, not only have we not heard of this guy, this guy is trying to pretend he's another guy that we have heard of called Mauro Rosales. Can you believe it? So, so they, they basically said, Mauro was a player from Argentina, he was at the club until 2006. The Argentina thing would add up with what Dexter said. He said he's played for River Plate, uh, but he was this guy, Dexter, was 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 never at Ajax. We don't even think he exists. So he then doesn't go up. Dexter Rosales then doesn't show up at Adelaide United um, uh, to for his trial. And at this point, you know, they did a bit more digging and they basically like had to. Um, admit that they made a mistake and if you find this guy Dexter Rosales you see a picture of him there's no way that anyone's mistaken him for a football he looked a footballer he sort of looks <laughs> like if David Guetta was a football 
That's what he looks like. <laughs> David Guetta and, and a football had a baby. <laughs> yeah, then he would be that baby. Um, oh. Uh, so yeah, this this guy he wasn't actually really a footballer. He was he was actually a DJ. Oh, a footballer of the decks. Yeah. Oh, yeah, is that why he, he's called Dexter? Is that what he's called Dexter? Oh, maybe, yeah. Yeah, DJ Dex. So, yeah, he, he's just a, 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 a con man, basically. Did he get... Um, so he got a spot on the trials? Yeah, he got a spot on the trials, but then, he, then when Ajax came out and were like, nah, he didn't show up. He, he did an um, interview in 2012 with 442, which is a football magazine, and he said, this is a huge misunderstanding. My former agent exaggerated to the extreme. Have I trained with these clubs? Yes. And I was impressive. Most of it was because I knew many connections in Miami. And I travel and actually squeeze myself into playing with big clubs just to have the experience, even though I never took money from any club. My former agent does exist. He's not registered with FIFA, though. I don't know. When, you, when you're a player, you truly don't ask for someone's credentials. I mean, surely that's the first thing you would ask for is someone's credentials. Um, but yeah, he said he, he exploited me, the agent, with some false pretenses. He thought he could get me a shot at a good club so I could show my talent. Not any, now any club, not any club will take a player just like that. Uh, it was wrong from his side and mine for allowing it to happen. I'm a footballer and only my game will speak for itself. There you go. So it sounds like he did play with the teams he said he played with, but like in a very loose sense of the word. Yeah, it's just like me ha- like turning up to play football with my mate yeah on at Wembley Stadium when it's closed (laughs) Uh, no 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 more just like he would go to the training grounds of these people and just like oh kick about with them yeah right yeah I mean I, I like I do know of people who will sometimes say like um like I'm a a graphic designer and I've worked with uh, Nike and I've worked with you know like <laughs> Adidas just really inspired anyway they'll be like I've worked with all these big brands and it's true that they have worked with them but they worked in their shop when they were at school yeah so it's like I am a graphic designer true I have worked with Nike true not together it's like um like new open mic comics being like, I opened for Ramesh Ranganathan, who, who for your international listeners is a, a big comedian in the UK. Has, surely he's cracked international. Maybe I, I don't know, but it, it's like it's like the open mic. Mike is going. I opened for Ramesh Ranganathan when what happened is they were all doing an open mic night and Ramesh popped down to do twenty of new material. Do you know what I mean? It's exactly like yeah. That. Yeah. And on one hand, you're like, you know, fair, you know, you got to play the game. But on the other hand, it's like, come on. Stop lying. Don't be a fucking liar. Yeah. Um, well, what a, what a lovely, lovely time we have all had this evening. I hope that by the time this comes out, we are all singing arm in arm for England towns winning. <laughs> Me too. It, w- it would honestly make make my not only my year, my life. Yeah, I think we should. Just, I just think we just need to like just get it, get it done. You just know? get it home. We just need to get it home. Yeah, I'm, I'm, you know, it's we've we've as good a chance as any to do that, if not better. So yeah, mm. there we go. Yeah. 
Um, okay, thank you so much for joining. And um, uh, oh, yeah, if people want to find you on the internet, yeah, follow me on Twitter or Instagram at Chloe Pets, C H L O E, Papa Echo Tango Tango Sierra. You don't have to write it all in full. I was doing the initials of my name. Um, but yeah, it, any of my like gigs and stuff, I always post on there. So I'm doing the Camden Fringe in August. So um, if you want to come hear me do some jokes, and um, please just just come to that. I'd love it with all my heart. Um, is there a lol word thing coming up? Yeah, there is. Um, we've got the lol word, uh, which is a queer comedy collective that I'm part of. Um, we're doing the Soho Theatre, but there's only like two tickets left for that. So they'll probably be gone by the time by the time this comes out. But if all, all being well, in September we're doing a show at uh, Underbelly uh, on the South Bank. And we got a fuck ton of tickets to shift for that, and it's going to be a sick show. So yeah, get get yourself one of those. Follow the lol word, L-O-L word, comedy on Twitter and Instagram. And come along and see some amazing queer comedy, whether you're queer or queer adjacent. We'd love to have everyone. It is, uh, it is uh, yeah, it's a, it's a lovely show. I've, I think that's potentially when I first um, came across your old, uh, your old jokes. Um, lovely. Lovely, uh, lovely group of humans doing funny stuff. Um, if you like this podcast, please do uh, rate and follow us on Apple Podcasts and Spotify. Um, we would love it if you would write a review. Don't be lazy and just click the stars. That's not going to do it. Um, no, I, actually, you can do that as well if, if you'd like. Um, but, you know, write, write us a little poem and tell us how much we've changed your life. And uh, we shall see you next time.